0: We're in Exodus chapter 25. We'll begin reading again quickly in verse uh, number 31. We're studying the golden candlestick. You remember last week we went over to explain the candlestick, what that name was. That's not the part that holds a candle. It had Bowls that burned pure oil. And we'll look at that again this morning as we go a little bit. I've made us a chart to put up here on the wall. You know, each week I've gone through and said, what does this speak of? And I've said, told you several times, everything in there is a description of deity, a blueprint of the Breaver a shadow of salvation and characteristic of the church. But I've applied this just to Christ, what he's pictured in, in relationship to us so you can see it from left to right. The brazen altar is Christ our sacrifice. The brazen labor is Christ our sanctification. The table of showbread pictures Christ our substance. The golden candlestick, Christ our sight. Really he's our light but I couldn't come up with a uh, a letter start with S for light So, but he's our sight and he gives us light to have sight to walk by then the altar of incense pictures Christ our supplication and these are all the texts that this is uh, he ever liveth to make this intercession for us and then the mercy seat and the ark of the covenant Christ our satisfaction he says peace I give you not as the world but as I give you And he's the only one that can give you, if you're going through a storm, you better get close to the Lord. Because if you do, he'll give you peace about what you're going through. But we're going to continue this morning. We're going to look at two more things and hopefully we can get through them. We're going to look at the pictures of the New Testament Christian. And we're going to look at the pictures of the New Testament church. That's all in this golden candlestick this morning. Good morning. Come in. Good to have y'all back. We've been missing you. Hello, Bud Jimmy. Man, we left the door unlocked, huh? <laughs> Let me get them an outline here, a couple of outlines. There's that. We're on this golden candlestick. Exodus chapter 25, verse 31. <clears throat> and thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold, You might want to underline that in your Bible there just so you'll remember. Pure gold, this is the only article of furniture in the entire tabernacle that does not have wood in it, which speaks of humanity. It's a picture of the deity of Christ and it pictures of us. We'll get to that in just a minute, though. Thou shalt make a candlestick of pure gold. Of beaten work shall the candlestick be made. His shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knobs, his flowers shall be of the same, all pure gold. And six branches shall come out of the sides of it three branches of the candlestick out of the one side, three branches of the candlestick out out of the other side, three bowls made like unto almonds with knobs and flowers in one branch, three bowls made like almonds in the other branch, with a knob and a flower. So in the six branches that come out of the candlestick, and in the candlestick shall be four bowls made like unto almonds with their knobs and their flowers. And there shall be a knob under each branch, of the same, and a knob under two branches of the same, and a knob under two branches of the same, according to the six branches that proceed out of the candlestick. Their knobs and their branches shall be of the same. All of it shall be beaten work of pure gold." again that's repeated and thou shalt make the seven lamps thereof and they shall light the lamps thereof that they may give light over against it or give light in the holy place and the tongs thereof and the snuff dishes thereof shall be of pure gold of a talent of pure gold shall he make it with all these vessels and here's our reminder again Holy Spirit told Moses and, and is telling us and Look, that thou make them after their pattern, which was showed thee in the mount. Again, we're we're studying this morning on the golden candlestick. Somebody tell me, this is our altar, this is the brazen altar, that's a picture of what? Christ our sacrifice. This is the brazen labor. Christ our? This is where we're cleansed by coming and washing in the word of God. Then we come inside. What is this part of the tabernacle? A place of what? Service. This picture's, you and I in the New Testament picture's a place of service. There's three three pieces of furniture. The table of showbread, we come in and we feed off the Word of God. You can't serve God if you're not going to spend time in the Word of God. And be strengthened, be built, grow in grace and knowledge. Then we've got the golden uh, lampstand or candlestick or lampstand whatever you it, and then the altar of incense but all three of these fit together we feed on the word of God we serve him in the power of the Holy Spirit and we make intercessory prayer asking God blessings on the things that we're doing to serve him so we're looking at that this morning we went over the basis of it yesterday or last Sunday or two Sundays ago <laughs> But let's look at it. We're going to look again, as I said, pictures of the New Testament Christian. And uh, if we get through it, pictures of the New Testament church. Just quickly, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but all of you are familiar with this. We've got the center stem, and it's got four sets of knobs and flowers and, and the almonds in it. Those have some indication, but then it's got three... Three branches that come out each side, and all they all feed off of the center. Then up on top, they've got in the shape of a little almond. They've got the little bowls that are filled up with the oil, and the oil is lit, and that gives light. Uh, what did we say about light last or two weeks ago? <coughs> That's the only light that is inside of the holy place what does that picture for you and I in the New Testament that light came from the burning of pure oil with frankincense that's a picture of the Holy Spirit of God amen we are to serve God how in the power of the Holy Spirit and we're going to see that in great detail and clear picture here in just a minute uh <clears throat> But uh, let's look at the pictures now of New Testament Christians. Number one, that center craft, that center center branch, center center shaft. It's called more in the in the Greek. What does that picture? That pictures our Lord Jesus Christ. He is the center of all things, and in all things he has the preeminence. In the center shaft, it's different from these three branches. It's got four sets of knobs and almonds and, and flowers and the things that come out. Four is the number of creation or the number of beginning of all things. The three branches only have three, and that is a picture of deity, and that pictures you and I as Christians, as children of God, that have been totally changed in our life because there's no wood there and we're one with Christ. And we're going to see some things this week and next week that I think will be a great blessing and a great help to you. But you put all those together, you've got a center shaft, you've got six branches. The six branches are, what is the number of six? Number of man. Christ preeminent. Number one in all things. Put them together, come up with the number what? Seven. Seven. That's what? That's a picture of completeness and perfection. We're going to see that again in a minute. Tremendous. Um, and let's keep in mind there's two things in here, bodily, bodily important. The only service that you and I can do that's acceptable to God is when it's done in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only light that was in that place of service, and that's the only true light that shines in this world today is when you and I as Christians will follow God's Word, seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit, be a clean vessel, no humanity showing. God doesn't want to serve Him in in our flesh. God wants us to serve him in the power of the Holy Spirit and that way who gets all the glory? God and God wants all the glory and the credit he doesn't share it with anybody I've said this a lot of times preaching across the country all you've got to do to lose God's blessings is you do something God uses in a good way and you take part of the credit for it and you'll find out God will turn loose to you and say "All right, you don't want to do it my way I'll back out All right, let's look at the picture here of New Testament Christians We're on uh, letter number 8. We've gone through those first A, B, C, D there. But our Lord Jesus said what? I am the light of the world. Now, we don't need to turn to John 9, 5, because we've turned there and looked at that before. But uh, we, uh, well, let's do turn there. I'm sorry. Let's do turn there to John chapter 9 and verse 5. Jesus said, as long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's when he was here physically. Now turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 14. Let's read verse 13, Matthew 5 and verse 13. Keep John 9, 5 in, in your mind. Jesus is still talking, and he said, Ye are the salt of the earth, but if the salt had lost his Savior, wherewith shall it be salted? It is henceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden underfoot. Y'all see the picture that goes together with what I was just talking about. All you got to do is take the, take the credit for it, and God said it's worthless totally worthless. Then he said, ye are the light of the world. And he went on to talk about putting a candle under a a bushel. And we talked about that in picture in the lampstand last week. Now, let's try to put this picture together. It's vitally important, vitally important. Mm -hmm. And I'm repeating myself because it's important. What was the only light in the holy place What pictures in the New Testament for you and I as Christians, what was the only light in that holy place? It was the light of the oil of the Holy Spirit. That's what is pictured in there. There was no artificial light came. There was no windows in it. There was no place for light to get in. It had four covers on the top of it. Are you all understanding how important that is for you and I today? God wants to do everything that he does through us, but in the power of the Holy Spirit of God, working in us and through us. I can't repeat this too often. God doesn't need our help. God doesn't want our help. God wants us to fulfill Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, which says what? I beseech thee therefore, brethren, that you what? Present your body. That's all God's looking for. Somebody say, here it is, Lord, you take it and do what you want to with it. Isn't it did say that we try to add to it and figure out what's best for God. And we, just don't get started on that. <laughs> I think all of you know these verses, but Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18 tells us exactly what God would have us to do. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18. Paul writing to Christians at the church at Ephesus, he said, "Be ye not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but what? Amen. All right, somebody, what? Did we we went over this last week or two weeks ago. What does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit?" Controlled. Control. I said humorously a couple of times, I said, I'm a young Christian that I've, back at Thrift Table. And I remember one in particular was praying, he's at the altar, and he was sincere. I'm not criticizing him, I wouldn't tell you who he was because he's serving God today. But he said, Oh, God, I pray you'll feel my legs and I pray you'll feel my arms. And I said, Holy Spirit doesn't come in quarts and gallons, you know. <laughs> uh, doesn't mean that kind of feeling. It means that we present our body to the Lord Jesus Christ and ask him to fill us with the Holy Spirit of God and take total control of our life. And I pray every morning, not only that, but I pray God say, because we live in a body of flesh, we walk in a world. And I, I pray and I say, God, help me to be sensitive that when the Holy Spirit of God illuminates or speaks to me about witnessing to somebody or giving a tract to somebody, God help me not to get so busy. I miss that. Y'all ever done that? I can look back over my life and I know that God spoke to me about something and I was too busy. And I look back a day later or an hour later and the opportunity's gone and I said, oh my God, I missed it. So now, he, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He said, as long as I'm in the world. But he's not here today. Now, who is the light of the world today? He said, you are the light of the world. What's the only way that you and I can be a light in this dark world? The Christ be being filled. Come on. Being filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And God will cast off light. Now, let me, let me say this. Are you all listening? let me say this if you and I sometimes plan it and we say oh boy I'm giving off light you're probably not full of the Holy Spirit you're full of yourself (laughs) I found that most of the time when when a Christian gives off light God uses him to do something in somebody else's life and he doesn't even know it happened he just shared something, shared the scripture, did something. And that way, God gets and We don't walk off saying, well, boy, I did a good thing today. I helped those so-and-so, you know. Well, thank God if we did. Y'all understand what I mean? I I know somebody right now. You, won't, you don't know who it is. All they want to talk about is how spiritual they are. You know what that's a sign of? That's a sign that they're not spiritual at all. My experience has been if somebody's spiritual and they're filled with the Holy Spirit, they're the only one that doesn't know it. You remember when Moses came down off the mountaintop he said his face shone. They saw it, but he didn't. But we ought to seek to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God and, and present our bodies to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now turn to John chapter 15. This picture comes uh, really together here. John chapter 15. Y'all are familiar with this. This is... I hope you're seeing this when we, I pointed it out in Hebrews so many times if we don't understand the tabernacle so many times we don't realize that the scriptures are referring back to the tabernacle and in everything in the church and everything in the Christian life it can be tied together with the tabernacle. There's pictures. John chapter 15 verse 1. Jesus said I am the true man and my father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Let me tie that together for you with the lampstand. Pure gold. Here in John, he said, you're clean. There's no humanity left in you. You're clean. Now that's hard for me to realize. That in the sight of God, you and I are pure gold, no sinful humanity involved in what God does through us. Now verse 4, he said, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. No more can ye except ye abide in me. I am the brine, and ye are the branches. Do you see the picture up here? Christ said, I am the vine, ye are the branches, and you bear light, and you bear fruit by being totally, completely, continually abiding in Christ. Connected with Christ, always filled with the Holy Spirit, always seeking God's blessings, always seeking God's guidance, always saying, God, you do whatever you want through me. All I want to be is abiding in you. If we'll do that, we'll bear fruit. And again, most of the time, some of the greatest men and women that I've known in my life, that it, Vance Havner, in my opinion, was a got every, everything, ever Every time he spoke, God touched people's hearts. I've talked to him, and he was the most humble man I've ever met in my life. And yet he lives on today. Very humble man but how do you bear fruit by abiding in him look over we're in the same chapter John chapter 15 we won't continue for time's sake but look down in verse number 16 after he put this picture together of the vine the branches abiding in him drawing off him feeding on him look at verse 15 he said ye have not chosen me but I have chosen you see God did that through Moses back in the tabernacle when he made that out of one piece of gold it's not two pieces of gold it's not seven pieces where they made the center staff y'all need to get this it's repeated twice there in Exodus it said this is all one piece of beaten gold they didn't make all these separate and then put them together and graft them in thank God I'm not grafted in I'm part of the body of Christ are y'all with me I'm part of the body of Christ. You're part of the body of Christ. We'll get to it if we get to it that far today. Are you all thinking? Are you all thinking? All right. You and I are as much of the body of Christ as your arm is a part of your body. Now you let that sink in. That's hard for us to get hold of. He said, "I am the branch. I am the vine. You are the branches." And you get over to Ephesians chapter five. He said, "We are one body in Christ. We don't. We don't come in pieces. His body doesn't come in pieces. It's all beaten. What did Exodus say? One piece of beaten gold. Am I communicating with y'all? They didn't make this in pieces. We're not going to get there today, but I. We. we we're gonna. We'll see." Anyway, let me show you two other pictures that's in that branch there in this uh, golden lampstand that are bodily important. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Y'all repeat this with me. Y'all with me? Y'all repeat this with me. I am part of the body of Christ. I am part of the body of Christ. I hope we can get to the church in a minute and we'll see that. But let's look at two other quick pictures in this uh, golden lampstand here. We're down in the, in the second section down here where it says the six branches picture two things. Number one, it pictures you and I being side by side with Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 17. And if children... Talked about being born of the Spirit. And if children, then he says three things. This ought to be a blessing to you. Number one, he said, then heirs. Number two, heirs of God. Number three, joint heirs with Jesus Christ. If you go back and study that, and I'm not going to get into it in the Greek language, but it pictures when he says joint heirs in the sight of God, you and I are equal with Christ. When we receive Jesus Christ as Savior and we're a part of the body of Christ and we are a part, like I said, and I don't know any better picture to come up with and to understand that you and I are a part of the body of Christ just as literally as my arm is a part of, my leg is a part of every part of my body is, makes up one body. God didn't create this body like this and it had two legs to it two arms to it and a nose to it and ears to it and mouth to it. it we were made out of one beaten piece of gold when God created it. Now we got to keep in mind two things. We're not talking about predestination and we'll get to that in a minute. Too. We're talking about foreknowledge. God before the foundation the world, saw you and I as part of the body of Christ because he knew that we were going to receive Jesus Christ and when he put the body of Christ together, he put it together not in pieces, he put it together in one. Can you imagine yourself being a part of the body of Jesus Christ and joint heirs with Jesus Christ? I don't understand that, but that's what the scripture says. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, let's look over there. Here Paul is giving a picture of that church, and he's using the husband-wife relationship. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church, and what? Mm -hmm. Gave himself for it, that he might sanctify it and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, how? Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. And then he goes on and talks about how men ought to do that. And then down in verse 32, he reveals this mystery to us. It never been revealed before, but he said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And then he went back to, nevertheless, that every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself and his wife, see that she reverence her husband. But again, what I was saying, your arm, you're you're just as much of the body of Christ as your arms and your legs are a part of your body. And Paul developed that here in Ephesians, and he said, but this, I'm talking about the husband and wife. You remember Adam and Eve were made what? One. He said, that's the picture I'm wanting you to see. And he gave that picture and then he said, this is what I'm really wanting you to see. This is a picture of the church. He said, i show you a great mystery that you hadn't understood. It's never been taught before. The Old Testament saints didn't understand it. But you and I are side by side with the Lord Jesus Christ, heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ. Now, if you, don't, if you got any Pentecostal blood in you, it ought to show up. <laughs> now, let me give you a second one, and we're still going back and covering some things now that we've already mentioned here. The second thing that's pictured in there, none of these branches, where were these branches? You read the scripture, they came out to the side, three on one side, three on, Not like an ordinary vine, none of them grew out the front. You're welcome. <laughs> Not only, all of the branches of Christ and every Christian, we're side by side with Christ and he's in the center and he's always preeminent. Colossians chapter uh, 1 verse 18. But we're members of his body. Christ gave himself for the church. You and I are members of his body. Not only are we members of the body, but over in First Peter, Second Peter chapter 1 verse 4, he tells us another thing that you and I enjoy today. 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 I'm sorry, 2 Peter got it right on paper, said it wrong 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4 whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be what? what? partakers of the divine nature I am the vine; ye are the branches you abide in me, you bear fruit because you are drawing off the divine nature of the Lord Jesus Christ who was God in the flesh and created the world so many times Christians don't realize what our status is with God God loves us and he included us in his life, in all that he does, just like he did the Lord Jesus Christ. We're side by side, but be careful of this. I, we've already said it. Uh, number one, the branches don't come out to the front. Number two, there's no wood in there, so there's no humanity to show up in there. We're supposed to glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. 1 Corinthians 10.31, somebody quote it. You do what? Whether therefore you eat or drink what you do else. And whatsoever you do, do all for the glory of God. I've counseled my grandchildren as they're growing up, particularly girls. I said, the way you dress. When you put on something in the morning, you ought to look in the mirror. And can you go outside in public and say, is the way I'm dressed going to bring glory to the Lord Jesus Christ? I said, if it's not, take it off. Grandchildren don't like granddad sometimes, you know. <laughs> they like them when they want to buy them something, but anyway. Let's look, uh, let's go on to the second page here. You know, back to the thing of us not showing up in the flesh, Luke 14, 11, you, It's in your paper, you don't need to turn there, but the Bible says, He that exalted himself shall be brought low, but he that humbled himself shall be exalted. And that's God's plan for you and I to humbly serve him in the power of the Holy Spirit of God and let the Holy Spirit of God shine light through us to a dark world. And when that happens, they'll go away and say, boy, God did something good for me. Instead of saying, oh, Brother Ernest did something good for me. No, Brother Ernest, they do nothing good for you. But hopefully all of us through... All right, let's look at the New Testament church. We're going to try to get through this because some of it's going back repetitious. Again, we're on page two. And we won't read the scriptures again. We go over. There's no wood there. The number seven is completion, perfection. You can't add anything to it. This is a perfect picture of Christ and his church. Let me tie this together a little bit before. Go back to Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 4. I'm being repetitious, but I want you to get the picture of it. You're the body of Christ, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse four. <clears throat> Y'all with me? According as He had chosen us. Now let me qualify that which Paul is talking under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit about foreknowledge. He is not talking about predestination. We covered that in class here a couple of years ago on Calvinism. God never predestinated anybody to receive Christ as Savior. But God being God in his foreknowledge, God knew that everyone in this classroom was going to trust Christ. That's the, what's it say? According as he has chosen us in him when? Before the foundation of the world, how? That we should be holy and without blame before him in love. That's talking about today. God sees you and I through the blood of Jesus Christ. Whew. It's hard for me to get a hold of that, but he sees me and you as holy and without blame. Because he sees us through the blood that's sprinkled on the mercy seat. And that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Now, how terrible am I? And I know all about me. I know a lot more about me than now you do. Mm -hmm. And you know a lot more about you than I know about you, too. And for me to get hold of that truth that God sees me as holy and without blame, without spot, without blemish, is hard for me to comprehend. But I'll tell you what it does for me. It challenges me to live my life holy and honorable to God. But God, before the foundation of the world, he saw in his mind's eye the New Testament church all together, all one beaten piece of gold, not grafted in. He saw us all made together as part of the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Before man ever saw the light of day, Adam and Eve, God saw the church. And he saw it all pieced together, and I've said I've already said this. It's without spot or blemish. Before man's sin, God had a plan for salvation because He knew man was going to sin. After man's sin, He received Jesus Christ. God had a plan for already before the foundation of the world for our glorification, and He explained that in Romans chapter, Romans chapter eight, verse twenty-nine. We all can quote verse 28. For we know that all things work together for good, that them love God to them who are the call according to his purpose. What was his purpose? Most Christians can quote verse 28, but they can't quote verse twenty-nine, and thirty. What was God's purpose? For whom he did foreknow. <coughs> there's what we were talking about. He also did predestinate <coughs> to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, <clears throat> and whom he called, <clears throat> them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say to these things then, if God be for us, who can be against us? Do you see the golden lampstand? Whom he also called, he did predestinate. To be conformed to the image of his dear son. We're one with him. He's glorified. We're glorified with him. God saw all of that before the foundation of the earth. The foundation of the world. And when he made the golden lampstand he said Moses don't inject any of your ideas in this. You make it out of one piece of gold, which was a talent, which I understand is about 112 pounds of gold. It's, they didn't make it and graft it in. If they could have done that, one of them could have fell off. And it fell off, it was useless because it didn't have any foot to stand on. We're not grafted in. We're not an afterthought. We're not put in the body of Christ when we receive Jesus Christ. Not in God's mind. which is before the foundation of the world. He saw it all put together. He saw you. He saw me. We were going to trust Christ. And he showed that lampstand as a picture of what one day we're going to be. When Jesus Christ returns and the heavens open and the archangel of God says, come up hither. The church is going to be complete and perfected, but in God's mind before the foundation of the world. Now, I can't explain that, so please don't ask me to. But God saw us already put together, glorified. In him. This is a perfect picture of eternal security on letter D. Like I said earlier, these things were not seen by the Old Testament church. They weren't seen until the church age. And Paul, we have already read that in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 30 and 32. Paul said, I'll show you a mystery. We've talked about the husband and the wife. We've talked about they become one in Christ. We've talked about them without spot or blemish. And he said, Now, Paul said, I'll show you a mystery. I hadn't really been talking about the husband and wife, although that's important, but he said, this is a picture of the church. What did Paul say exactly? He said, this is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. And you and I are one with the Lord Jesus Christ. There's no seams, no branch can fall off. Again, he's the vine; you're the branches, we're the branches, we're one body in Christ. We're just as much a part of the body of Christ today as we'll ever be. And we're not grafted in. I've heard so many people say we're grafted in, we're grafted in, we're grafted in. No, we're not grafted in. We were made part of the body of Christ. Now, just bears repeating. We need to be careful of this right at the close of the lesson. None of the branches came out toward the front of the lampstand. No leader, no Christian should ever step out in front of Christ. No, 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 no pastor, no preacher, no missionary, no Christian, no teacher in any way should ever want to be in the limelight take any credit for anything that's done. If they do, they're carnal. They're carnal. Because just three things that repeated this how many times? Moses' day, God said, See that thou make it after the pattern. That's Exodus twenty five, forty. Today, God says, See that thou understand it as God had Moses to make it, the picture we've looked at this morning. And then number three, for New Testament days, you and I, God says, See that you follow it. We need, to, we need to follow the pattern that God gave us. And you can sum all that up. <coughs> sum all that up. He said, be ye not drunk with wine and wearing his excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And that is the only way that you and I as Christians become the light of the world. So I challenge you again today uh, that before you get out of bed in the morning, every morning, you ought to take just a minute or two at least. And ask God to cleanse you, to fill you with the Holy Spirit. Tell him that you're presenting your body to him afresh and anew every morning. Ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Ask God to go before you and plan your day. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Ask God to order your steps and to guide you in them and direct you in them. And and ask him to help you to be sensitive to not miss a step. Because we're easy to do that because we struggle in this flesh. And you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit and it will amaze you. You'll have people come up to you and say, do you remember you were talking to me about five years ago somewhere and you said thus and so and you say, I don't remember that at all. They said, I've never forgot that. That changed my life. Y'all have had that happen. That'll keep happening and it'll happen more so if you and I be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And let the Holy Spirit of God work in us and through us. Be careful that we follow the pattern that God gave us. Don't take this wrong, but I'm keeping repeating it. We need to fully understand God doesn't need our help. God lets us serve him as a privilege, but he wants us to serve him in the anointing and the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen. I hope you'll be back next week. We're gonna look at a truth next week that most Christians never understand. It'll be an amazing thing to you, I think. And it will challenge you in your Christian life as, as I think as much as ever been challenged.